Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So, Tara left me a note. Since she's not here, she's uh, participating in PodCon. And it says, Dear Coach Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sorry I'm not here to talk to you myself. Maybe someday I can be a guest on the Bod Pod and class up the place. Shout out to James and Chris. See, look at that. A little cross-promotion action. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm glad you'll be around to keep an eye on Danny, because Danny's become a thing, as, as I've now explained to you <laughs> offline. And, yeah. Yep, yeah. That, that's cute. Um, as you probably know, he's now a multi-channel media star on NBC Sports Northwest. Shout out Blazers Outsiders. So he needs to start taking care of himself. Please me, please help me help him by watching out for a couple things. First of all, Dan is only allowed one energy drink per show. This is in reference to the fact that um, to anybody who may have listened to the podcast last week and it sounded like maybe you were listening at like one and a half or two times speed, but you really weren't. Um, somehow, one way or another, I managed to have like three rock stars in the pan of four hours or span of Holy four hours. Shit. Yeah. Dude, how long is the podcast? It's um, not even that long. It, we went for about an hour and five minutes, but like, I was really just dog tired. I had done like three different things and I didn't realize it. But first of all, there, there was a sugar free one, so I'm not like mainline sure. sugar. But and they're delicious. And they are. And the, 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 the whipped cream, uh, orange whipped cream one tastes like the, the, Vanilla orange ice cream cups that you had in elementary school. Creamsicle? Yeah, yeah. So I like those are the ones that I always grab. Okay. And uh, yeah, I like the ones that taste like sweet tarts. Yeah, those ones aren't bad either. The they're, they're, they're little. Case Rockstar wants to send me a, a couple send you cases. cases. Yeah, I, I would never ever be against that. But yeah, I, I got well, I don't know 15 minutes in the podcast, and Tara sends me a message, you know, so it doesn't you know she didn't say it across the podcast that. Um, yeah, Dan, you, you're talking a little fast and I'm looking, I'm looking at my hand and my hand, for those who can't see right now, is like shaking uncontrollably and violently. I'm like, oh, I've had copious amounts of caffeine. So that's where that comes from. It says, if you hear him cracking up a second, cracking open a second, please remind him instead he should be drinking water or a healthy smoothie with fresh fruits and vegetables. (laughs) If a smoothie is good enough for Giannis, it's good enough for Dan. Uh, this one, this one is a good one too, because this will tie into something we're directly talking about. Please no Myers Leonard slander or suggesting that Zach Collins should be getting playing time over Swanigan. I worry about his blood pressure. If either of these things come up and it starts to get ugly, please steer the conversation to a less controversial topic like politics or religion. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, I, that's I'm that's from Team Mom. That disappointed she's not here tonight. That's a bummer. Um, yeah, she's gonna have to come on the bod pod, I think. And uh, and you and I agree on Swanigan versus Collins, so that won't be an issue. Yeah, the Myers Leonard stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I like. I think that. I don't know. There's nothing new to report there. But I there, know you've got. But I see, the thing is, there is there is something new to report. <sighs> so for those that, that weren't aware, this is this is Coach Dave, Dave Dufour. Because uh, I'm terrible about introductions, even on my own Matt, podcast here. Uh, I hate that introduction. I mean, I, I know. You know, but, I'll be tagged in all the stuff. So, but yeah. But see, people they're, 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 they, they all know me. They probably, should know you hopefully. by now. I've had you like three times now. Um, yeah. 
And then if you aren't already, you should be catching the Bob Pub when we do drop one, knowing that I do them with Dave. Um, right. So, yeah, it should be a normal thing. But You're literally one of, like, five or six people that I talk to every single day. <laughs> literally every day. So, yeah, yeah this should be a, a pretty normal occurrence. But <laughs> we, have a, we have Myers Leonard uh, news. And I love this because get, like, I get all, like, jo- like joyful and childlike because he, he is my adult son. Um, uh-huh. I will stand for him to the point of that he should be getting playing are, time. Are you going to get a Myers Leonard tattoo? Can can we just like go ahead and jump to that? I, honestly, I mean, what, what does a Myers Leonard tattoo look like? Does it look like Johnny Bravo? Uh, because I, that's, I'm that's thinking like close. a bobblehead of Myers Leonard, but tattooed on you. So like Johnny Bravo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be worse things to get. Yeah. Do you do you have a Myers Leonard jersey? I do not. Um, okay. I see. Here's hey the Myers, thing. Like, uh, I, would I, you kick a jersey over? Yeah, I, dude, I'll, I will rock a Myers Leonard jersey. I will do it. There's no doubt about it. But I will say this about jerseys. The only jerseys that I own that are put on Trailblazer jerseys are dudes who have numbers or will have numbers hanging on the rafters. Okay, so throwbacks. So throwbacks or Dame or Roy. Okay. So, yeah. I mean. I, I don't own any jerseys. The, that's, that's, that's the extension of my jersey ownership. Yeah. Um, I don't own any jerseys. You're a no jersey I, guy? I think it. I think adults who wear jerseys are weird. Really? Unless it's like, you know, like if I could have, if I still had my Larry Johnson, uh, the, the Charlotte the, um, throwback, the Charlotte teal, mm-hmm. if I still had that Jersey from back in the day, I would wear the hell out of it. Yeah. Right. If I still had my Scotty Pippen Jersey from back in the day, I would wear the hell out of it. But like, see, I've got my I Mitchell and Ness, I, my Mitchell and Ness Clyde, my Drexler. Okay. I, I, I that that is my most worn jersey, and it doesn't. It's yeah. not like I rock that on like a daily basis. It's like opening night for the Blazers at the at Spirit of Seventy Seven. I'll throw sure. it on. If I, I go which, to a game way, as a fan, one of my favorite places on earth. Yes, it is the spot for Blazers games. There's no doubt about that. But yeah. like, if I'm going to a game as a fan, I will rock that jersey. But if I'm sitting up in the media section, I'm not rocking a, a, a Clyde Drexler well, jersey. Right? Of course not. No, you're gonna wear you're gonna wear uh, something USC. <laughs> this is this is probably true. I will probably have a USC like you, like you are on right now, or a USC hoodie on right now. This it's, it's kind of a joke. I think this is the first podcast I've done in like um, maybe like five months where I haven't had a hat on too. So I'm sitting here looking here at the feedback camera, and all I can see is my awful hair right now. Um, oh, no, fine, man. But fine. back to back to Myers here, because yeah. there's one thing you and I agree on wholeheartedly with the Portland Trailblazers. They are mm-hmm. consistently inconsistent. Yes. The biggest portion of that being, at least in my eyes, is the inability to count on shooting up and down the lineup. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You got two guys in the lineup that you can count on and two guys in the rotation that you can count on. Um, it's amazing that one of my big points of emphasis when you, when you were like, Hey, you want to come on and talk blazers? One of the big things that I was going to bring up is who would have thought that a third of the way through this season, you could say, man, the blazers really miss Alan crab. I don't know if it's necessarily missing Alan crab. They miss a shooter. I, that, that's the thing is like you, they moved Alan crab when got nothing back. Right. Like you took a weakness and decided, nap, screw that. We're not replacing it. Like that's why I was pretty keen on the Blazers keeping Anthony Morrow. If for nothing else that you could play Morrow five to seven minutes and go, yeah, you're not sagging off him for the next five to seven minutes or he's otherwise he's going to can two or three threes. 
Right. Like, you know, just, just the general threat. Like, it, it's kind of like mutually assured destruction. Like, every other team in the NBA right now has nukes, and the Blazers are still kind of messing around. Like, we're not exactly splitting the atom yet. So they just end up, like we saw against Houston, where when Houston went small, they had five shooters on the floor. Portland went small, yeah. and they had two and a half. I mean, Jake Lehman was getting closing yeah. minutes. Do you know who Jake yeah. Lehman is, Dave? I do know who Jake Lehman is. <laughs> <laughs> For the Lehman out there, yes. uh, he's, he's a white guy yeah. on the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Imagine that. Um, yeah, th- those uh, Rockets lineups with Ryan Anderson at the five are just murder. Because, it, I mean, unless you can match them, yeah, I mean, you're not going to hang with them offensively unless you can roll at least four shooters out there. And that's the thing. It's like Portland tried to match them by not only not having shooting, they didn't really have the defense either. Like they went small with Noah Vonley at the five. And I, I don't have a problem with Noah Vonley. Like I, Noah Vonley in, did very well in instances against both Chris Paul and James Harden on the switches. He also got absolutely roasted once. But sure. that's the problem when you have two Hall of Fame guards who can go five out and just break you down one-on-one. Right. On one. And back to this yeah. brings us back to Myers, though. Like, having yeah. him on the floor, if you're going to lose that battle on that switch anyways, why not try to do it on the other end? I agree. I, I completely agree. This is going to be a non-controversial podcast because we actually <laughs> do agree on, I mean, just throw some shooting out there. You could play him at the four next to Nurkic, and it doesn't really matter. Because almost everyone they're playing at the four is giving it up at the other end. Might as well at least have a shot at some threes. Um, you know, so the Vonley falling down thing, while it was funny, it's sort of like getting dunked on. If he wasn't trying to play defense, that doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And so, like, I mean, it's funny, but, like, the it's two not, possessions like, before embarrassing. That, he was, he yeah. played phenomenal defense, and both Harden and Paul hit unbelievable finishes. Like you're sure. sitting, like, I literally said it on Twitter. I'm like, listen, you can't play defense better than what he just did. I mean, that was that was the one where Chris Paul had to switch hands it, in it, midair, midair right? floater. Yeah, and you're just sitting yeah. there going, "You've got to be kidding!" I mean, Vonley played that like an yeah. All NBA defense type right. stud right there. Yeah, you you made him switch hands, falling down, throw it up at the rim, and hit a prayer. I mean, yeah, you, but nobody's seeing that. that. No. They're only seeing him fall down. Yeah. And then if they are seeing the, the, the amazing shot, no one ever pays attention to a good defense that forces the tough no. shot. They only see the tough shot. It's like Kyrie Irving sometimes has to do some ridiculous stuff to get a shot off. And people are like, oh, he roasted him. No, he didn't. That guy played amazing defense, and Kyrie had to do something ridiculous to score. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And it, this is one of those things, and you, you know, this is something we talk about on a regular basis. The stuff that um, the average fan, like one of the things I wish they would just leave alone is that sort of analysis. Like, well, this guy is garbage because, you know, James Harden scored 48. I'm sorry, man. James Harden's one of the greatest offensive players in the history of basketball. Yeah. And he's going to get his points. Regardless right? like, of hey, what you know level what? of defense you are. Hey, he didn't get 50. Good job. <laughs> I mean, when that's you, the point we're at with Harden right now. Yeah, I mean, he with the way that lineup goes, with five out, with two Hall of Fame guards who can get there. We're not talking about two guards who have holes in their game offensively, with as far as how to get their shot. Like, there's nobody on on between those two. Do they have weaknesses in their game? 
Sure, certainly. Are they post-up threats? No, not really. Jimmy Harden can do it a little bit. But we're talking about five out. What two players are going to eat up more guys in the NBA than those two? You have two of the tightest handles in the league. They're purebred, absolute lethal shooters from everywhere mm-hmm. on the floor. Chris Paul is one of the best finishing guards in the NBA, just in general. And then from and he's the, my height. Yeah, I was just say, and he's six foot on a good day. I mean, he is an absolute monster finishing around the rim and has been his entire career while playing, you know, two inches off the ground. So you're doing everything you can necessary to stop these guys and it's not working. Why not give a guy like Myers Leonard a chance? And I know, God, I've said that a million times. But, I mean, the shots he's been hitting over the last couple of weeks. And, I mean, you saw his, his showdown with Boogie. I mean, he... He stood up and made Boogie, like we're just talking about, he made Boogie work his butt off for every single point on the floor. You know, is there a point where he just can't get on the floor because he is who he is? Like, whether or not that's true or not, but the mindset is, you know, he can't or shouldn't be on the floor because of X, Y, and Z, and as opposed let, to let me ask, Let me ask you a question. Um, do you feel like the coaching staff has, has a bias against Myers Leonard? You know, like, what do you think is at the root of his lack of minutes? Because he's at 11 minutes a game this year. He's yeah. only played in 10 games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at his per 36, and they're actually pretty good. Staggering, I mean, 20 right? points, 20 points a game, uh, 62.5% overall, uh, almost 54% from three. Uh, I mean, really, like, nine rebounds a game. Uh, a couple of assists. Look, this isn't I mean, a guy he fouls that at a crazy rate, but he, he does. You know, that's, but that, not... that's the thing. I mean, I think it's something you live with. Yeah. And that's why I think you play him 18 minutes a game. Listen, Myers Leonard got paid $10 million a year. I'm not expecting him to be an all-star for, the, for all the people out there who are like, you love Myers. You want him to do this. You want him to do that. You think he can be this. Anybody who's ever talked to me on a serious level knows that I don't think Myers Leonard is going to be an all-star. That's, that's right. not, that's never, ever been my take. My thought and my idea has always been, Always, always, always been, especially now that he's getting paid ten million a year. Give him eighteen minutes a night and let him give him that. Whether he screws up a situation or not, you let him play through it like you do with everybody else in this roster. Well, and he'll give you ten is, and seven. He's only playing eleven minutes a night, but he's producing. Yeah, right. That, that's I mean, ha, like over half a point a minute is pretty good, and especially at those percentages. Um, his effective field goal percentage is 71%. It's, it's insane. It's That's dumb. I mean, that, that just that yeah. falls in the category of, like, okay, we're at video game numbers, 2K turned to rookie. Right. Now, he's not playing enough, but his his offensive box plus minus uh, uh, from, from basketball reference, and I'm not like, you know me. and, and It's a point I think, of reference stuff. I mean, that's just the, what right. we're putting out here. Like, I'm, I'm an eye test guy. And I use the numbers to verify, um, but I'm looking at these numbers and yeah, I mean, I can't come up with a reason. I mean, this guy is actually performing in those minutes. Um, who are they using instead of him? I mean, Ed Davis is Ed Davis performing like this? Davis I, is doing really not, well for the, and here's, here's the thing that you and I have talked about a million times. Portland has all these yeah. players at the bigs that are siloed positional players. Ed Davis is going to rebound his butt off. He's going to work for you on defense and he's going to set screens and run the floor. Okay, right. I mean, so you're getting that out of him. But again, what are you not getting? Shooting. Right. Um, I mean, he's Noah not Noah Vonley. Right. Exactly. Noah Vonley. And also, he you should play be. Davis and, and Myers together. 
They tried that um, last yeah, year and it was a ugly. Weird situation. They, they tried the Davis Myers thing last year and it was ugly. And I, I don't know how much you saw this or how much I talked. I can't remember if I talked to you about this or not. But, you know, he worked in the offseason with, with a trainer, and one of the best trainers in the league. And, you know, Myers himself said that his confidence level was at a 30, you know, before this, you know, when he started really working out. Um, and by the end of the summer, when he's playing against guys like Durant and playing against guys like Melo, you know, he's at the UCLA pickup games. And there's other right. players, you know, top flight players that are down there that are coming to him and going to the trainer and, and going to his, you know, his guys and trying to figure out what the deal is. Like, why, why is this Myers right here that we're seeing on the floor right now, why is this guy not showing up in the NBA? And it was right, all a mentality but, thing. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this a lot this summer um, because I know you said he was going to be having a big year. You know, I just got a crazy idea. Like, why couldn't you have a second unit with, like, uh, Napier, McCollum, Jake Lehman, Ed Davis and Myers Leonard and, and have work Davis in a dunker role mm-hmm. and really space the floor, almost go four around one with and Davis let Ed able set to picks like, and dive. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and then run pick and pops with CJ and, and Myers and other guys will get open shots off of that. Um, because you have stuff you can do there. It's because you have $17 million a year invested in Evan Turner and he has to play. Yeah. See, that's, that's just such a, such a wasteful mentality. And, well, that's, you know? that's the thing, uh, though. You look at Portland's roster construction. You have these guys that you have to just wedge in there. Coach Stotts likes to play Harkless and Aminu together. Now, against Houston, we saw Aminu go back from the power forward role and go back down to small forward. Now, Aminu has been phenomenal this season. He's been easily one of Portland's best, best spots all year. Um, he missed 13 games with the ankle. I mean, that thing got the size of a grapefruit. It was awful. Glad to see him back. Yeah. But he's shooting over 45% from three. Against Houston, he was right. five of eight from three. Like, if this is a real thing, like, if Aminu can continue to play high-level, near-all-NBA defense-type defense and shoot 40% from three at six foot ten, he's worth his weight in gold. Has, has Aminu gotten any minutes at the five? They've tried that before. And it was such an epic disaster. I don't think they ever want to go back to it again. But granted, this See, was against Golden. This was against Golden State a, two years ago. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I think, especially like uh, like we talked about with the Rockets, you know, if they're going to roll out, I mean, that may be a first round playoff series, right? Yeah. And uh, if they roll out those those Ryan Anderson at the five minutes, I think having. Aminu at the five. I mean, that's a nice way to neutralize it because Aminu can guard him and also put pressure on him on the other end. Um, so, you know, just, just, just looking at the, at the roster and just trying to think of ways that they could be more creative and kind of use it a little bit more. But I mean, I'm with you. It, it looks like they've, I mean, not playing guys that are performing well is a problem, but I think the bigger thing is just not having guys <laughs> Who can perform Outside well Damon CJ. I mean, you and I have talked quite a bit about how Damon CJ take more more self created, difficult shots than so any other player in shots. the league. Yep, and and they still are somehow able to hit and be some of the most shots. efficient players for their usage. Yeah. Ratings. yeah, yeah. Just imagine if they actually had some help. Like this is not a Russell Westbrook scenario. No. Where, they, they, where he has know. two absolute studs. And, yes, Mello still is a stud. It's just a brown That's peg right. in a square hole. It's, it's an yeah. awful fit. But, I mean, you've got and, – and Steven Adams is the perfect guy to play 
uh, cleanup. I mean, you want to talk about a guy in the dunker spot? Hello. I mean, he's Steven also Adams. great at the elbow, but they never yeah. let him. They, they, they never let with him with that there. team, that's not happening. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy when I'm looking at these numbers uh, for for Myers, but. This is not the Myers Leonard podcast. So I don't want to say no, just no. talk about Myers Leonard. But I mean, it's something that's been coming up a lot. And Portland's zero and four over the last four games. And the the two bright spots that you can take from these games have been Damian Lillard's ascension back into MVP category play, where he's been averaging you know nearly thirty points, seven assists, five rebounds a game. I mean, he's been just dumb over the last two weeks. What he's been able to do, um, the. To the counterpoint to that has been CJ McCollum has been almost as bad as Damian has been good. Uh, and then you've got Myers. Myers has come in right. and done everything you've wanted him to do. Um, and while the rest of the guys kind of flounder in mediocrity, but Tara's going to kill me if I don't get to these. So she has a couple of questions and this kind of relates to what we were just talking about and how um, some of the stuff is incorporated as far as um, how Portland's offense is run or not run. Um, I was talking to a few guys um, from uh, a, you know, strangely enough, Laker film room um, about breaking down the Blazers offense because we have the Lakers coming up on the schedule. But uh, also Tim Kranis is, is another guy who does a ton of playbook breakdown. And this this got me talking with Tara about it. And her question is, what exactly is a dribble handoff? And what are some of the ways it's incorporated successfully in the modern offenses? And in, in your I have, okay. I have my own thoughts on this and how yeah. it relates to Portland. Um, but, but she wanted to get your exact thoughts on this. Well, all right. So everyone knows what a dribble handoff is. It, it literally is exactly, I mean, the term describes exactly what it is. It's, it's, it could be multiple dribbles. It could be, you know, um, particularly from the elbow, you might get one dribble mm-hmm. going toward a person using the outside hand, passing the ball, almost, almost like a handoff in football. Oftentimes, um, depending on how the, the player receiving the pass likes to get it and, you know, all these things. But anyway, dribble handoff is literally that it is a dribble into a, a handoff pass. That's it. Um, the way you use it in modern offense, it, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful action for me because you're able to do two things. You get to throw a pass and set a screen at the same time. You get to clear space. Like the guys that are really great at it, they actually use their body to create the space before the pass. And then they turn into the screener. And so, um, one of the one of the things I actually teach in in, in my offense is uh, they call it like a an uphill dribble handoff. Um, uh, Vasily uh, Spanuli in uh, in Olympiacos, he plays for Olympiacos. They call this the Spanuli dribble handoff, and essentially it's coming up the gut dribble handoff at the elbow, and the way he, you wrap around the guy at the elbow, you're literally just wide open because. That guy sets a screen. Um, the 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 guy delivering the handoff. Uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But uh, Detroit has has implemented dribble handoffs in their offense this year. Weird. It's a large part of the reason why they're having so much success. <laughs> yeah. What 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 exactly <laughs> right? is going on in Detroit again? Exactly. Um, and obviously the Nuggets have done it. Uh, the Warriors. I mean, Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut a couple years ago. That's almost all they did. Um, this works especially so, well with Bogut, who is at the time was the best illegal screen setter in the entire NBA. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Utah does a ton of dribble handoff. Basically any of the decent to good offenses in the league employ dribble handoffs at some point in their offense. And, and I would argue that the, 
the more DHOs you see, the better the offense is going to be. I think that like, I haven't done the math on it. I, I but think that's I mostly that true. Correlate. But I think a yeah. lot of that also depends on a talent as well because I think Charlotte probably wants more DHOs than anybody, right? Do they? I, have, I, know, I, haven't looked, I haven't looked at the numbers this year, but I know over the past two years, they ran DHOs like crazy. Yeah. You still need to have good personnel. Yeah, that's that's always a, <laughs> sure. that's always yeah, a mitigating yeah. factor. Like having But yeah, I mean is I mean I feel like I was I don't know, was that a decent explanation? Yeah, I feel no, like I might I'm, have been I'm a right little there with you. Okay. No, we, we I think she wanted to get in the weeds on that one a little bit because a lot okay. of people talk about and, and I beat this drum the other night too, um how Portland specifically Damon CJ are selfish. They're not selfish. It's just more no. valuable for them to take a shot that's worked out and benefited um, on their own efforts as opposed to relying on the efforts of others. That, and right. for, for those that want to say the best shot in the NBA is the open shot, that's not entirely true. The way – Depends on who's shooting it. That's the thing. Okay, look at Portland's offense right now. Evan Turner is shooting 19% from three. Maurice Harkless is shooting 25% from three. Those are, <laughs> those are two guys that are getting 30 minutes a night. They're on the floor at the same time. Having two non-shooters. Evan Turner, wait, Evan sh- Turner shooting nineteen percent. Yes. Okay. Wait. 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 Nineteen and a half percent. Oh my god, that's insane. Yeah. Okay. So you have two non-shooters on the floor in shooting positions, and <laughs> then you throw Ed Davis on the floor at the same time. Now you understand the situation that, that Portland's in. There's there's nowhere to go. They played the Wizards the other day, and Eric Griffith, obviously, at Blazers Edge, t- took a screenshot against the Wizards of Harkless and Aminu on, on the uh, weak side corner. Harkless in the deep corner, uh, Aminu above the break. Dame and CJ working uh, their, their flow offense up top, right? All five Wizards on the left side of the paint to the right side of the court. That those two thirds of the court, they have completely left Aminu and Harkless alone. The Blazers at, at last check were the worst corner three shooting team in the league. So toss in the fact that Portland has been bad on corner threes and they're the worst field goal percentage in the league within five feet. The two most valuable shots in the league at the rim and in the corners and Portland's the worst. And you wonder what the problem is with their offenses. And this goes back to again, why I want to see Myers Leonard on the floor because at worst case scenario, you have a guy who, have, at, at bare minimum, bare minimum, defenses have to go, I probably shouldn't sag 15 feet off into the paint off him. Right, right. J- just by the pure nature of the fact that they can't be, you know, have one foot in the paint no matter which side the ball goes to. I mean, you can switch sides. You can switch sides of the floor all you want. Because like we're talking about with dribble handoffs. Typically with a dribble handoff, you're getting a dribble handoff and you're getting action on the weak side, and then the ball switches sides. That's, that's where a lot of this comes from when you're talking about dribble handoffs above the three-point line. Below, right. the, below the three-point line, that obviously differs because it's more of like a, a catch-and-shoot off a curl. Absolutely, yeah. But Portland is, is a team that's trying to work above the three-point line. That's where their pick-and-rolls come from. That's where the DHOs come from. And when that stuff is not happening on the backside where a team can literally disregard two players, yeah, that's just... That's, they get to zone up. Yeah, how can you... There's no possible way to overcome that with talent. Yeah. 
And I, I complain about OKC and the way they use Robertson and and how essentially like he's such a negative on offense. Mm-hmm. That I don't care how good he is on defense. He can't be on the court. Um, anytime you have one player, you don't have to guard. It's, it's a, a big problem, but with two, it's impossible. And in the playoffs, they're going to guard even less. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I got caught in the weeds on Evan Turner over here. I don't know if you were watching my, my face. Yeah, guy, but <laughs> that dude shoots the majority of his threes wide, wide open. open and he's shooting 13% him, on wide open him and Maurice Harkless. I ran the numbers on it uh, last week. I think is what it was. They're two of the worst wide open shooters in the entire league. That like, is I don't know if that's just absolute- a basketball gods and luck, bad shooting combination of both. They have a case of the yips, but like, Listen, I, I, everybody knows that I'm not going to sugarcoat things, but I'm also not going to drive this nail into the ground any further. They're just not shooters. Like it, when you wow, get to this man. point, man, it's just it's bad. Now th- this kind of leads into something that Terrell also wanted me to bring up. Now you already br- <laughs> you already brought up the guy. I'm depressed. Yeah, see, there's a reason the Blazers are 0 4 in the last four games, and they've looked, with the exception of the Houston <sighs> game, have looked really bad. Um, yeah. It's, it's the same kind of conundrums that we've seen now lately with the, with the Thunder. Like, you look at it and you're like, they should be doing things better here, here, and here, but it's not happening. Like, the way the Blazers are designed, the way they're, well, the, the, not necessarily, well, I guess the sense they're designed that way is because they're assembled a certain way. But where they're good, they're very good. Where they're bad, they're very bad. There's, there's very few things in the NBA where they're a middling rank. Like, they're the worst fast-break right. team in the, in the league by laughable margins. Like, if you look at how many fast-break points they get a game, it's, it's depressing. I think that's the word that we're going to use through a lot of this podcast. Like, when the, the difference between them and the top of the NBA, it's, it's physically painful when you sit there and go, they, did, they get how many? The, I mean, like, I knew they didn't run, but they're... How do you physically not get fast break? Like they're averaging four and a half, four and a half fast break points, Dave. Four and a half. Good God! How many fast break opportunities a game are they getting? Uh, well, they're dead like how, last. Like they're dead last in steals. Do, like how often are they getting out in transition? I, I feel like I they, mean, it feels like they get out, but it, they get out to half court and Damon CJ, and this is the. The big thing that I always get around to, Dame, CJ not working together, blah, 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 blah. But it's the fact that they're both 6'3", 6'1". And how many guys that are 6'3", and 6'1", in the league are phenomenal transition players? I mean, not a ton. Okay, but... And Russell Westbrook. Westbrook, come on. Russ is 6'4". Sure, Uh, okay. (laughs) And probably the most athletic point guard in the history of the NBA. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so we're talking yes. about the most athletic point guard in NBA history and the best shooter in NBA history. <laughs> Both those guys are good in transition. But typically, yeah. you're 6'3 and under guards, no matter how good they are, with the exception of these guys, aren't getting a ton of fast break opportunities. So you look at Portland's roster and you go, well, the two guys that they rely on the most for offense, if you're looking at their offensive weakness, this is probably it. That, that's something you think you can overcome with a guy like Maurice Harkless, who you would think could get out and run. Alfred Camino, who can get out and run. Um, Pat Connaughton, who's actually played really well this season, incredibly athletic, and I think is Portland's best cutter right now, by far. 
Um, but when these guys don't get rewarded with the ball or they don't feel like they're being worked into the offense enough or touching the ball enough or uh, they feel comfortable in their own shoes, their own skin, then they're not running the floor as hard. And now you're stuck at four and a half points a game, which is, you know, 18 less than the Warriors are getting a night. 18 points a game that you're giving up going in the building. In, in that That's category. Insane. Like, but the Portland Trailblazers, they're a good free throw team, both percentage and free throw attempts a game. They're, they're great there. Their, um, their ability they're, to they're, shoot threes they're not, is good. Uh, they're actually not shooting enough. Threes. That's the thing. Their percentage-wise right. is good. Percentage-wise, yeah, they're, they're like sixth in the league. Sixth in the league. Thirty-eight yeah, percent. And then they're bottom. They're uh, twenty-fifth in in number of attempts. They're down with San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Who's yeah. le- leading three-point shooters? Are what Danny Green and Lamarcus Aldridge right now? Yeah. So, Dame, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Danny Green, right. Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah. There's something. Yeah. I'd like to see them. I mean, Houston's shooting 43 threes a game, but like among normal teams, Brooklyn's <laughs> shooting an extra 10 threes a game. And, you know, that's, man, that's high leverage. Like, and they shoot 37%. So that's what, I mean, they shot 10 extra threes a game. That's like nine and a half points a game. And let's say the percentage falls down because typically sure. that's, that's the relationship. The, the percentage yeah. falls down to 35, 36%. Let's say that they're just at Boston's level. Where they're thirty six point nine shooting thirty threes a game, yeah. That's that's still that's a lot of points. That's a over big the, difference. Over the yeah, course of the if, you replace, if you replace some of those twos with threes, um, and especially since they're so terrible at finishing at the basket, it's comically bad. God, man, this team is so weird, man. Right? You know, I think I told you uh, they they are a team without an identity. They are extremely confusing. Mm-hmm. Um. They, it, like you asked me, Hey, have, have you, uh, do, how do you feel about them? And I was like, I don't have a feeling about them. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to nail down anything about this team. They are criminally average. And that's, criminally average. That's really what it comes down to. When you, if you're, you could call them that just by looking at their stats without right. knowing the but names not, involved because they're high, just incredibly right. high in one, incredibly low in the other. What does well, that mean? And this, <laughs> this is my point. I think they would actually be a better team if they were just average at everything. But those Which is what they were the past couple of years. probably make them worse. Yeah. yeah. Those peaks and val- valleys probably make them worse because they're more volatile. Yeah. And, you know, they, are, they don't exactly play high leverage basketball. You know, they don't shoot enough threes. Um, they, they don't score in transition. So it's not this like Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors uh, style of basketball where, you know, you can have you can you can withstand these wild swings in your own performance because you're doing these things that that actually give you a chance, like a puncher's chance to come back. You know, like the Warriors, if they're down 20, the game is not over. No, you can't rest on your laurels at all. Right. And and, and the, the Rockets are getting that way. Um, I mean, Danny Lillard hit nine threes last night. The Blazers held the Rockets to 25 three-point attempts. 25. 15 below their average, or 20 below their average. They're shooting, what, 44 a game? Yeah, 43 a game. So 18, 19 less attempts. But they got got beat by 30 at the free-throw line. Yeah. 30 more attempts. Now, I've got my own 
thoughts about that. That 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 shouldn't be that shouldn't be a thing. I'm sorry. Damian Lillard getting to the free throw line X amount of times. Chris Paul getting to the free throw line ten times. I, I have I have things to say about that. Chris Paul's a guy who gets to the line three or four times a night. Yeah. I, I have a reeling suspicion that the um, the Houston Chutzpa has upped his his free throw attempts a Wait, little are you bit. Saying he just learned how to how to flop. Yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking they, they maybe they taught him how to actually flop well because he's been yeah. like a terribly. Oh, he's been one of the worst the flops. Terribly in the egregious. Yeah. Yeah. Get, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm more about the general idea. It, it's it's an organizational thing, and this isn't me just on my my chair. Portland for the past 10, 12 years has, through all their coaches and then the organizational changes, never been a team that campaigns for calls on the floor. Like, look at their superstars. Is Damian Lillard a whiny superstar? Is he a guy that you associate with wanting calls all the time? No, not at all. Brandon Roy. No. Lamarcus Aldridge. No. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a cultural thing with sure. this franchise and, and, and the and, players yeah. they have. Um, yeah, and, I, and that's, what um, I, that's what I mean about Chris Paul. I think the Houston, much like the Clippers, they 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 go about things a certain way that whether or not people want to admit it or there's a direct correlation, there's definitely a, an elephant in the room when you're talking about how those guys go about getting one or two additional free throws a night. Right. So I'm, I'm just digging through the stats here and, and, you know, looking for things that kind of stand out. <laughs> it's, I know it's why it's always I know why they're struggling. 18 assists a game. They are dead last. That oh, yeah. is atrocious. Oklahoma city thunder, Average three more assists a game than the Portland Trailblazers. That is comically bad for a team that should be so much better at addition out assists. I have two 18 things. a game. I have There's two things. No here. ball movement. Well, no, I, 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 and I, I agree to an extent there. I think they've they've looked at, and when I say they, I mean the Portland Trailblazers organization. I think they're at the point where they've ran the numbers. The black box guys for the Portland Trailblazers have realized or run the numbers that it is better for Damon CJ to work for those shots by themselves off ball movement than to put other guys in situations where they're not even capable of delivering above a threshold. That's the only thing that I can think of because th- this is something, again, that I, I've been talking to a few people around lately because I. I, I I too believe the idea of you know moving the basketball, the the sharing offense, the, the stats fence in general has been something about you know moving the ball, moving the man. Um, but when somebody like let's take Evan Turner, I don't want to beat on Evan, but we kind of have to with the way the numbers are. Dame goes pick and roll. They run with Nurkic. Dame has a seam to get down. He drives. He kicks to Evan Turner. And there's Ugh. zero gravity in the corner. Well, 13% of the time, man, he's going to hit that shot. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but I mean, it's just, it's what I mean. So when he does that and the wing defender or the stretch four that's right there on the weak side edge of the box in the paint that doesn't go out there and dares him to shoot, what does the offense do from there? It's a chicken and the egg scenario, in my opinion. Like, does, 
does he need to take that shot? Just just keep shooting it until it gets until it gets the point of I'm gonna hit this eventually. But and that's what I mean. Have have the Portland black box guys gone, okay, yeah. even if he ratchets it up to forty percent, the way that defenses are treating this scenario and playing a box and one around Damien and CJ that it just doesn't make sense to even move the ball to him. It's better to have Damian shoot a contested floater in the lane than it is to have Evan Turner or Maurice Harkless take a shot wide open. Jeez. That's so depressing to even think about. Like, that's the only way I could wrap my head around this making sense. I, I don't know if this is true by any means. Like, but the, when I watch this team and I watch the reactions that defenses have, the scouting reports that are clearly out there, that are saying, do not go to Harkless, do not go to Turner, do not go to Vonley, do not go to Davis, let Nurkic take the mid-range jumpers, play Damon CJ two-on-one every single possession. And, and Myers the- Leonard is going to be on the bench, so yep. you don't have to guard him. And Pat Connaughton's playing a few minutes a night, in, but he's he's doing well on <sighs> catching shoots, wide opens, cuts. Like the, the only bright spots on this team that I can see outside of Damon CJ on the regular are Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton, Myers Leonard and Ed Davis in the instances where Ed Davis excels rebounding the ball, playing defense. So have you seen any good movies lately? (laughs) Saw Thor, man. Thor was great. Thor was awesome. Awesome. So throwback, man. I love the Jack Kirby stuff. Like I want this to be positive, but when you're Owen four on a homestand on a homestand, Dave, Losing to the Pelicans without Anthony Davis. Without Anthony Davis. To the Wizards without John Wall. By the way, they gave up 51 to Brad Beal. That's 99 points the Blazers gave up to Beal and Harden. Okay, but those two, I mean, that's good players. They're good players. 99 points, Dave. The problem is all the points they gave up to other people. So, I uh, look, man. I, it, it is it is freaking rough. I okay. Let, let's 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 go. Know. Let's go a little bit, a little, right, bit so, a little bit so brighter. Let me here. ask you. Well, I I want to okay. I want to just extrapolate on this because I now I'm going to ask you stuff. Hit me. All right, have you finished all of Tara's questions? No, I, I've got I've got two more, but it, it kind of okay. it works into something else. So we we can hold okay. on those for a minute. Is this team going to make the playoffs? And if they do, is it actually, does it actually make it worse going forward? Right? Like, well, if, Boy, if this sounds vaguely familiar. Playoffs, Man, it's almost yeah, like this, this exact same situation has played out for two years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do, would they see making the playoffs as affirmation that they're doing something right? Yeah. And I think not that, going. I think that's how it's sold. Not going to fix these problems. I think that's how it's sold because they. And this is the, the broken record, obviously. When they signed Crab, Turner, Harkless, and Leonard to all that money in one summer, they locked themselves into this path. If if three of those four guys didn't outperform their deals, they locked themselves in. And I think you could make an argument that Myers Leonard and Maurice Harkless could outperform their deals. I don't think there's a world that exists that Evan Turner or Alan Crab could ever outperform their contracts. I just, I never, like, you could make the argument 
that Crabb could in the perfect circumstance if you really believe that Portland and what he was doing here and how he was being used was incorrect and that going somewhere else like Brooklyn was going to really open things up for him and he'd be a 20-point-per-game average close to scorer. So 18 to 20 a game, shooting 44, 38, 85. I think then you could justify. Let's, let's say this. He's Tim Hardaway Jr., then you could say $17.5 million a year. Okay. Like, if he's putting up those numbers, then cool. Okay. But then you're not outperforming your deal. You're performing to your deal, right? Right. So you, you're leaning then on Harkless and Leonard being value guys on their contracts at $10 million a year. Like, if Myers Leonard gives you, I, I keep harping on this number, 10 and 7, 10 and 6 in 18 to 20 minutes a night at 10 mil a year for a seven footer who can hit threes. That's a value deal. In my opinion, would you argue with a seven footer who could shoot 40% from three who gave you 10 and seven, no, 20 I'd, minutes. I'd be pretty, I pretty, pretty good. Right. Like you, you take that. Like if yeah, you look around, I, I'd, the, be, around the I'd league, be straight. Okay. So now Maurice Harkless, if he gives you what he gave the Blazers last season, which was 12, 13 points a game, shooting 40% from the floor and a reasonable three-point percentage, shooting 35%. You could say, okay. But you, you're, you're performing, again, at levels, not necessarily above levels. So Portland's growth opportunities were vastly constricted by those signings because those are the guys you're hoping can grow. Dame's Dame. Like, if he finds another gear, he's... No doubt MVP. I mean, that's the only gear that Dame has left. CJ has two gears, if we're talking about, like, the pantheon of, of players. Like, right now, he's a top... In the top 25, he's 25th. Like, he, like if you put him in the top 25, nobody's really going to argue with you. If you put him outside the top 25 at, like, 27, nobody's going to argue with you. Like, he's right right there. So he has a little bit more to go if he had if he has another gear to get into that area. But I mean, he's pretty much is what he is, right? Yeah. So if those two guys are what they are and you're limiting what you're getting out of your next tier of contracts and you just traded one of them in Alan Crabb for Andrew Nicholson's corpse and you're not play, playing Myers Leonard and Maurice Harkless was pulled from the starting lineup for basically saying he wants the ball more and not performing and shooting 25% from the three. Where are you expecting to get this next stage from? Like, where is this growth supposed to come? And it was like, well, Zach Collins, Zach Collins. I'm like, listen, guys, he's, he's 40 pounds away from being able to move around. Did he do some nice things against Houston last night? Yes. There you go, folks. You got me to say something nice about Zach Collins. He moved well for his height. I will, I will give him that. But I also saw him get moved around by Eric Gordon. Like, <laughs> if yeah. you're seven foot tall, well, getting to moved fair, by Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, super stout. He, he, he looks like a teddy bear. You can't be seven foot tall and get moved around by Eric Gordon. That's not a thing. Okay, okay. All right. So is this a Charlotte situation where ownership is just happy hanging in, being the sixth to eighth seed, and that the... I think it's an ownership and a um, community thing. I think Portland, as a sports community, as Blazers fans, 
They value winning. This is something I've, I've talked about over the last couple of weeks. They value winning, but not to the extent of winning at all costs. Like it's the most important thing. They value community and relationships and how these guys are as individuals. That to me is all awesome. Like I don't want to go back to the jailblazers just to get a winner. Like you can have both. You you can look at the Warriors, you can look at the Spurs, you can look at the Cavs. I mean, you can look at the top organizations and you can have winning be the ultimate priority and still have good dudes that you want to root for. So like getting that cross section to work, it isn't worth it in my opinion from from their point of view to sacrifice what they have, which is a mostly entertaining team that's going to get you 41 to 45 wins a year that people love in Damon CJ. Like, you've got two incredibly marketable guys. You, you have a franchise cornerstone in Damian Lillard that is everything this franchise wants. You, you could put 14 other guys around this dude who are semi-capable basketball players, and people are still going to show up and watch this team. Like, that's, that's how much he's loved. So when you factor in all this stuff, there, to me, there is no incentive for Portland to do anything rash. Like, we've talked about a million times moving, on, moving CJ off for, and, and reshuffling things around. There's no incentive for Neil O'Shea to do that. Like, unless Terry Stotts is fired, which I never want to see. I love Coach Stotts. Um, or Neil O'Shea is in threat of losing his job, and the only way he can save it is to make a drastic move. That's the only way I see them getting off where the path they're on right now and moving CJ. Whether or not it's benefit, like, and I don't, like, listen, I've criticized Neil O'Shea for plenty of things. Neil O'Shea not putting his head in the guillotine is not something I'm going to criticize him for. Like not, right. mo- like, not moving CJ because he, he doesn't have to. I'm, like, I'm not thrilled with it, but I can see that that's something if he screws up, it's going to cost him his job. Like, right. like that. It's, it's done and it's over. Like if you do a trade for CJ McCollum and even if you think in general across all of the basketball world that the trade itself is good, like we're all sitting here like, hell, that was a great trade for Portland. But the Portland community says no. Well, there's no way that that doesn't bite him, right? Yeah. I. I agree with you. This is like depressing. I, I'm, I'm like, wow. Look at this roster. Is there something they can do? Uh, no, no. They're they're in the to me the worst possible spot of purgatory that I dreaded two years ago. Like, yeah, like, it, I, honestly, I, man. I want it's, so much more, but I, like, like walk me back off this ledge. If you were you have a plan of action, what are you looking at right now? I the the well, there is no plan of action, but like. <laughs> the best thing that could happen and it's and I please don't take this the wrong way but like it's almost like this this team needs like a um a tank that doesn't happen on purpose like like let's say Damon CJ came down with mono and it had him sit out for a year mm-hmm not life threatening. No, no. They come injury. back next like, year. Is... Absolutely fine. Let's let's call it the David Robinson thing. The the David Robinson <laughs> yeah, injury. Sure. So he because because yeah. imagine let, let's go let's go talk about something glorious right now. Imagine the Portland Trailblazers with Doncic or Aiden. Oh, yeah. 
Like, like imagine yeah. one of these guys who could instantly be an on-court contributor, Marvin Bagley. Like you're just Doncic there, would be amazing on this team Doncic as would be, the three. Oh, good God! He, yeah, it'd he be plays incredible. defense. He rebounds. He shoots. He's oversized. Yeah. Like everything. Like, like, like he's just a Christmas bag of awesomeness. Yeah, for crazy playmaker. Um, I mean, Damon CJ would get spot ups off of Doncic pick and rolls like like it's just yeah here's an uplifting anyway. number for you cj is the best spot up shooter in the nba right now by a staggering margin cj might be the best shooter in the nba right now yes Preach. i think you and i have talked about this yes. a little bit uh cj has has now this is i don't know year two i guess i would say um it's cj Stephen the lights out. right like in, in your yeah, opinion it's those three guys so yeah however you want to as put far them- as Right. As far as being able to shoot off the dribble and, you know, like they have varied shot types. Like mm-hmm. Clay Thompson is a knockdown spot up shooter, but he's not like taking 30 footers off the dribble. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's like, I mean, obviously Steph is Steph and he's the greatest shooter of all time. But there's a real argument to be made that that CJ McCollum is like right behind him. Doesn't doesn't have the body of work that Steph has, but like. Man, I'd put him right up there in, in like on a one one game basis. I'd put him right up there. Um, but yeah, so anyway, this team kind of needs like some high level talent infused in it, and it's not it's not gonna happen in free agency. Um, it's gonna happen. I mean, could have happened this year in the draft, and they went the way they did. But um, I don't want to sit and rehash all the old stuff. So all right, what are, what are the rest of those questions? Because I <laughs> I gotta move on because man, I just. Uh, we, we don't, we, suck the life out of me a little we, bit, man. We will not talk about Donovan Mitchell right now. <sighs> okay, so a few weeks ago, again, this is from Tara, a few weeks ago when the Blazers were playing well, there's a lot of talk about the three-guard lineup. The three-guard being Napier, McCollum, Lillard. Now that talk has dropped off, probably because we're more concerned about one-guard shooting slump and Nurk's sprained ankle. Anyway... Can you talk about what the three-guard lineup is? Is it something that Portland has really been employing, or is it an experiment that has come and gone like it did a few years ago in Phoenix, a la Dragic, IT? And yeah. So I don't think... I'll, I'll be, let me we've put this together, at least for, from my point of view. Um, sure. And you, you, you tear this thing apart. Napier, CJ, and Damian have been arguably the Portland Trailblazers' best performing group of three players. And my premise or my thought on this, and I want to see if you agree with this, is that the reason that is is because there are three players that aren't siloed. They can all dribble, they can all pass, they can all shoot. Yeah. It's, it's not the fact that they're all guards, it's just that they have those three skill sets and that Portland has so many players that can't dribble or can't pass or can't shoot that it makes them easier to put into boxes. Whereas those three guys, because they can do all of those things, they're interchangeable in a sense and force defenses to be on their heels all, at all times. Yeah. Um, that sounds about right. Um, you know, most three guard lineups or, or things of that nature. Uh, that's how it, that's how it works. Um, but the problem with those three guards is that they are really small real small. And so defensively, you're going to give up probably the same advantage that, that you're going to have on the offensive end. And, and while I'm with you, I, I totally agree. It's great to have three guys that can dribble 
run in a straight line without falling down and take jump shots without, you know, killing the old lady sitting in the front row. Um, they're like defense is a real, uh, is a real thing and you need to have it. And, and those guys are just too small. Uh, I'm actually look, I'm looking for the lineup data, uh, and you know, NBA.com stats are not exactly what Glorious. they used to be. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's tricky. I'm going to have to go to NBA Wowie, but, uh, shout out to NBA Wowie. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I always liked the idea of it. Like, uh, went and saw the Spurs and, um, they started Bryn Forbes, Brandon Paul and DeJounte Murray. Come on. You know, like I'm, I'm all in on that. I love that. But two of those guys are six, five and have, you know, seven foot wingspans or whatever they have. So, um, that stuff matters. There's not a lot of length in that line with those three on the court. And I just think that, uh, that's, that's such a hindrance. So if you look at the lineups that are out there, um, for those guys, you look at that three man lineup. They're shooting 48% from the floor, 38% from three. Um, They have a plus minus of 2.3. Again, these are averages. They're a positive in every single box score category. And that's Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Shabazz Napier. That's not Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony. We're not talking about guys that are positional mismatches up and down the floor. You're talking about essentially three point guards. It's not even three guards. It's three point guards. Um, to be in this position, it just, to me at least, it shows the lack of positional flexibility up and down Portland's roster, particularly in the wings. Well, I think that this is where the Evan Turner thing comes into play. I think they thought Evan Turner was going to be the third guy in a three guard lineup. I really do. I I honestly believe that that's what they thought when they signed him and it just hasn't worked out. So I'm looking at NBA Wally and those three have only played 81 minutes together. Mm -hmm. Um, And it looks like, I mean, defensively, it's not good. Um, And the offense has been okay. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really think the Evan Turner signing, if it had worked out the way they expected, they would be doing what, what you and I are talking about right now. Cause Evan Turner is a decent ball handler. He's a, de- yep. a decent playmaker. He can run a pick and roll. The, the problem is that his lack of shooting kills any of that. They go under every screen. They can they can sag back into the paint and you know force them into these you know mid range dribble pull ups and you know who cares let them shoot them. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather him shoot open dribble pull ups than have Dame and CJ get the ball in their hands like just like you've been saying. So um, you know uh, while I'm down with having the three guard lineups, I think you have to pick your spots. It, you know it would have been a nice time to try it the other night against the Rockets. Yeah, I mean. Again, this this kind of goes not? over to the idea of preferring the offense over trying to stop the Rockets because I don't right. think the Blazers at any point in time, whether they were with whether they had Nurkic or not in that game, I don't think you're trying to. 
I mean, obviously you're trying to play defense, but you're not trying to keep the game under 100 against that team. You're as good as Portland has been statistically on the defensive side of the ball. You're not a team that is equipped to shut down that Rockets team. Like you don't have enough stoppers that are two way players that you can keep on the floor for long periods of time to make that an equitable battle. Right. Right. So you, could you have gone small? Yeah. You, you, you could have thrown that in there. Um, I mean, how, how weird would it have been if they had gone um, those three, Aminu and Leonard? You have, at that point in time, four sh- or five shooters on the court. The three that's in there um, is going to be McCollum, or theoretically, at least in my mind, it would probably be Dame, because Dame's the more physical of the two. He's actually a guy who's solid on post-defense. Um, who's going to post you up outside, on that team outside of Ryan Anderson? when they go to that lineup. Ariza's not going to. Maybe maybe Harden. But I mean, if you're if you've got Harden on Dame in the post, like are you are you worried about that? Like or would you rather have Harden no. in, a, in a post up or would you rather have Harden going downhill? Yeah, I would much rather have Harden in a post up. Yeah. So, uh, again, I'm I'm not a guy who makes a habit of questioning coach thoughts. I think his mind was or at least the, the thought process was Okay, let's try and go small and limit what the Warriors or what the Rockets can do here. I'm saying Warriors because the Blazers are going to be playing the Warriors tomorrow, and uh huh. Yeah, you, you understand where the depression's coming from right now. Oh, oh the, yeah, they're oh. going to be playing the Warriors without without Steph, Curry. Steph, which means they're going to incur the wrath of KD. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's it's a really strange <laughs> position to be in right now. Like I, it is like uh, the 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 old standby that I go to, and you and I have talked about this a billion times. I will be this franchise's biggest cheerleader when they're a sixty win team, like you know the perennial favorites. Um, when they're in these periods where it just there's there's not a ton of hope. Like I'm trying to find ways to sell hope. Um, so with that. Let's go to Tara's last question because this is a real hope seller. Why does it oh, always no. seem like opposing teams have one guy who goes off against the Trailblazers? Is that sign of a is that some kind of a cognitive bias that just makes it feel like role players always have career nights of Blazers, or is it a product of how the Blazers play? I think it's a cognitive bias, for sure. I think it's a cognitive bias. Um, I, you know, I definitely have seen games where people didn't go off against them. But it does seem like a lot of people have beef with folks in Portland. So, like, I'll say that the the performances are not like that's just I think just especially recently. Keep in mind, like I just watched forty eight and fifty one, and Boogie's yeah. like 40, 42. Right, but Myers Leonard seems to have beef with like half the NBA, and I, I I'm, maybe that's maybe why they're not playing. Play. Like, we yeah. found it. We found why Myers Leonard doesn't play. I mean, <laughs> Trevor Reza, Boogie Cousins. Who else? I mean, I, I just, I think that that's a thing. Um. <laughs> oh, that's oh, awesome. I, I, we, it took us this long to figure it out, Dave, but we finally figured out why Myers Leonard doesn't play. We D&Ds. brought it all back. Terry Stotts is sitting there going, I'm not about to incur the wrath of the rest of the league. I'm, Myers is getting paid. He'll be all right with it. Just we'll, we'll figure it out from here. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's 
that's all it comes down to, right, at this point in time. Because, like, like everything else that we've talked about tonight, you just kind of throw your hands up. Like, it just, I'm sure you're looking at the stats right now, like guys who have gone off against Portland the last couple weeks, right? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But that's a product of just the, the defense not being good. Well, that's the thing. The last the last couple weeks. Okay. I was saying, because overall, if you look at, again, we're looking at D rating because it's so much fun. Right. Um, again, there was a period of time for 13 games where they were missing their best defender in Aminio. But the counter to that is, is they were playing up until the other night the easiest schedule in the league. They had more home games than anyone to start the season. What is it with Portland and having like atrocious starts to the season? Well, they have these weird schedules. Mm -hmm. Uh, So remember a couple years ago when they had that, when they was, did they win 55 games or whatever? Yeah. Well, Lamarcus last year. Yeah. Yeah. And they had the easiest schedule in the league from like January 1st on. It was brutal to start the season. I mean, it was just an absolute buzzsaw to start the season. And well, they got and through that, what, and then it just—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's because of travel. It's because we're way out yeah. here in the middle of nowhere. It's not like Chicago or Cleveland, where they're an hour flight from twenty cities. So right. when they when they work these things out, there's going to be like the Blazers have coming up a five game road trip that's going to encompass like six thousand miles. Like it's it's like okay, that's brutal. Yeah, that's not great, Bob. No, <laughs> that's not good. Well, and so here's what's bad. Is that you've had the easiest schedule in the league And they're 13 far. and 12. Yeah. And now over I the next month, the next month is just vicious. It's absolutely You're never going to be vicious. able to have me on again because of what I'm about to say, but I think that Portland just is not a good team, and I think you're going to miss the playoffs. What do you think? You think the Clippers or, or, another, or Memphis gets it together? Because right now I don't, I don't think there's a way that they can fall out. Well, OKC, as of right now in the standings, OKC is out. So and I think OKC so basically will we make the playoffs. One, from the way things are going right now, because when I looked at this preseason, I figured the, the dog fight would be from 5 to 10. Yeah, absolutely. That's You and I actually yeah. talked about that. I, I thought that that's kind of how it was going to work out. I don't so see we're, the Grizzlies we're missing, pulling it off. We're missing that one team because the Grizzlies and the Clippers have both gone completely sideways. Right. I, I think it's I think it's now five to nine mm-hmm. is gonna be the dogfight and one team's gonna be on the on the outside looking in. And if I go to my head right now, teams, I would right? say it's the Blazers. It's it's gonna be Portland, Denver, or OKC. No, I'm saying it's gonna be Portland, New Orleans, or OKC. Okay, so you're throwing New Orleans in there. You're 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 on with the jazz? Yeah, I think so, man. I think what they have is sustainable. Yeah, I, I, um, I do too. Know, I mean, people call me crazy for picking the Jazz to make the playoffs to start the season. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm with you there. And that yeah, was before five through nine is going to be insane. It's a dogfight, right? Like there's just yeah, you, you're you're they're looking, all within a game and a half of each other. And ultimately, the the big thing to me is that they're it's going to come down to health. Like somebody's going to catch an injury somewhere. I mean, we've seen it with now with the Nuggets. Right. With Millsap basically yeah. out for the season. So that's the I guess that's the one thing is like the Nuggets could drop off while Jokic and, and Millsap is out, but but they're scrambling and Jokic is probably back In a you week, know yeah, end of this month. Two weeks, yeah. Maybe I think he's gonna miss five or six games. So it's not really that big of a deal. Um because they're probably like they'll go on a run at some point this year. Mm-hmm. 
Jokic right. will they, get their hot. Their problems have been health. Yeah, yeah. They'll, Jokic will get hot and do something crazy like he did. Like he's done really for the last two years. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nurkic um, is oh, going to okay, miss. OKC is weird, though. Nurkic is going to miss the game against the Warriors. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? If you're going to miss a game, though, you might as well miss the one that's going to be a blowout. But the thing is, is that I know this is this. Is, oh, I'm there with with you. But this is this is where I know that it becomes like basketball heresy. I don't think you beat Golden State by trying to play five out. No, you beat them. You by go that Memphis route. You physically beating the hell out of them, and Nurkic yeah, is so- just a big giant hammer that. Okay, you want to you want to play Kevin Durant for the five? <laughs> okay, we're gonna go ahead and throw three hundred pounds at him every single possession. Even if we don't score, he's not gonna want to play. Yeah. And as soon as you the put Zaza Memphis... out there for twenty five minutes, thirty minutes a night, then their their offense becomes it's still fantastic, but it's not you know ethereal. Right. Is that the Memphis San Antonio sort of playbook mm-hmm. for playing the Warriors? I think that's the way to go. Um, you know, hard defense. Thing is, I don't know if Portland has a personnel for it. I think that they they have the Outside potential for it. Yeah, they have the potential for it with with him. Maybe Myers has somebody that that really hates him on the Warriors, and this could be fun. <laughs> um, like, I feel like Draymond probably doesn't like Myers Leonard, right? I, you know what? Now that I think about it, I think they have gotten into it before. Like, so there's a thing with Myers Leonard. Then there's a thing. Myers watch is going to be a skin. real. He's going to be, and honestly, I love that. Like I like having a guy on the team who just drives up. Just his general presence on the court just makes guys just get irritated as hell. Yeah, I was going to say, like he's an irritant. Like, there's something to be said like, for having. Like joking aside, that's that's a good thing to have like Chris, on your team. Chris right? Dudley with a three point shot, right? Like it just yeah the, the Bill Lambeers of the world like Lambert did it with physicality but you knew like just when you saw him come on the court you just side eyed him the entire time like God I hate him <laughs> you know what I mean like I, yeah, I feel like the um, same case now with Myers so we've really sorted out this is now the Myers Leonard podcast because we mm-hmm. basically we just figured this out just tied this it back. whole thing with Myers so yeah that'll, that'll be fun like look listen. I want people have been telling me, Dan, I want you to be more positive about things. Find the positive. The positive hey. that has been there for the last two weeks has been Damian Lillard and Myers Leonard. So I'm hammering yeah, the positive right now. Like it's, it's true. I, listen, man, uh, you know, I'm a convert. I think Myers needs more minutes, man. He needs to be in that 18 to 20 minute range and at least throw it at the wall and see if it works. You know, um, I just, what you're doing now is not working, obviously. You realize that that's going to be the banner that I throw on this now. I'm a Myers Leonard convert. Good grief. <laughs> well, just make sure, listen, man, just make sure you tag Myers Leonard in the tweet. That's all I care about. <laughs> I, I will absolutely, absolutely do that myself. That will definitely be a thing. All right, so we, we've we've gone on and on again, and we just kind of we're talking in circles right now. We've we've hit all of all of Team Mom Tara Bone Biggs's comments or questions, so we're good there. We got you covered, Tara. Hey, and next we missed time, you this week. next time, tell her not to duck me. I will. She she all right, right right now she she's treating you like the Aaron Fox. That's right. That's right. <laughs> she's she's scared to go head to head, toe to toe. 
I'm taking it personally. I'm going to treat her like Myers Leonard next time I see her. <laughs> Just be careful, man. Trevor Reese is trying to take legs. All right, so for Dave Dufour, I'm Dan Morang. Just a reminder, you can catch us pretty much everywhere you need for your podcast needs for on Megaphone FM. We are on Almighty Baller Podcast Network on iTunes. Please go to the Blazers Edge podcast on iTunes. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. That actually does help us. Um, I know Dave can attest to that. Dave, go ahead and yes, plug your stuff I, here. I get really annoyed. Uh, no, I'm going to take my minute to instead of <laughs> instead of pushing my stuff to get annoyed with your listeners. Guys, go to iTunes. Even if you use Android, you have an iTunes account. Go to iTunes. Leave a review for this podcast. This is how we get more advertisers and more money for our show to bring you the free content. It takes 30 seconds to leave a review. Go review all the podcasts you listen to. You know, if you listen to a podcast, like uh, if you listen to Hardcore History, go leave them a review. I, even though it's the biggest podcast in the world, that stuff matters. And it is literally the least you can do. Quite, the least you quite can literally do. the not, least you can do. Nobody's asking, hey, nobody's asking you to kick them money. This Just isn't, this isn't Venmo. Leave a review. That's it. The least you could do. So but one of my pet peeves and one of the things I try to do when I'm on any podcast is just point out how easy it is to go and leave Dan and Tara a stinking review. It helps them immensely. As a, as a podcaster, I can tell you. I can vouch for that. So please go review this, this great podcast, especially if you like it, because it's not going to stick around if you don't go renew it or review it. I'll renew re- it. Renew it, too, because, you know. Subscriptions right. are, are available. Yeah. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, because <laughs> that helps too. But, That's a legitimate go, thing because Apple's back. Leave backwards. a rating and a review for this podcast. I am Dave DeFore. You can catch me on Twitter at Dave DeFore NBA, where I live tweet games and I make jokes that only about 25% of the people get because people read things on the internet too literally. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the Dave DeFore rant. It's not just it's not just a damn thing. No, I, it's I, legit. I, I think all of us have been doing this long enough are all at that point where we have those now. That's right. All right, guys. I get annoyed for my friends <laughs> when I'm like, you only have twenty reviews on your podcast? How is that possible? You have fifty thousand followers on Twitter and <laughs> you get ten thousand downloads an episode. It's like, So go review. Yeah, it's it's fun times. All right, folks. Last reminder, Blazers Edge Night is coming up. Holidays are coming up. Click the link down below if you're on BlazersEdge.com. We'll have all the information there where you can donate tickets to a lot of folks who would love to go catch a Blazers game for the first time. Um, you can also go and hook up with our partner and get yourself some Blazers Edge socks, which I have a pair of literally on right now. They're my lucky socks. Um, and you can throw those on um, and help again support by donating tickets through purchasing yourself some cool socks for Dave DeFore I'm Dan Morang thanks for joining us on the Blazers Edge Podcast we'll catch you next week see you guys